Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris, Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan, and returning guest, Kelsey Warner. Kelsey, it's so good to have you again. We're about to jump into another passage, but before we do, will you remind our listeners what you do at Christ Community Church? Sure. I am the Next Steps pastor here at Christ Community, so that means I get to help with anyone new to the church, new to the faith, think rooted, baptism, membership, all those sorts of things. It's awesome. All right. Well, I've got a question to ask everybody. As per our, tra- our, tra- our tradition, here's the question here. Uh, who is the best movie villain? And by best, I mean worst, right? Absolutely is that how worst. you guys are like, I, I feel interpreting like they- it? A villain who is too good ceases to be a villain, like morally good, I suppose. Okay. So, yes, we're talking about. So who's the worst movie villain? The worst, b- best movie villain. But to be a good villain means you're really bad. You're really bad. You're really bad. Is or, that what you're saying, Nikki? Yes. Or, or just you're, entertaining. I mean, maybe they're not really very effective. Bad. You're really bad. <laughs> you're really annoying. And, and, and everyone despises you. Yeah. And you're good at being that. Right. So, Kelsey, what's your answer? Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter. Oh. Okay. Oh, everything, everything about her. Her Remind laugh, me a little bit about her. Okay. Laugh. Her laugh. She wears the hot pink tweed like jumpsuit thing. She. She has like the cats on the walls yeah. that like stare at you, yep. and she's just so cruel. She's the worst. Oh, absolutely. Which makes the her the best. Yeah. The best. No, I can't stand her. Okay, Clayton, you got nah, one. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, it was hard to narrow down just to like who is the worst. Like, I mean, you could pick like the Joker or something like that. But uh, the thing that came to mind for me was Disney villains because I love their songs. Like, I, okay. I love the villain songs in Disney movies, and so it kind of I had to like go around like do it. Okay, like Scar, like Be Prepared is a great song, and mm-hmm. Prince Ali, so Jafar, okay. um, even even uh, uh, Cruella Deville, like that is a great song, but. The one that is my absolute favorite is Ursula, Poor Unfortunate Souls. I will I will walk around my house belting that song. My kids hate it, but I like I when I was a kid, I for one summer, my sisters and I, we watched The Little Mermaid every day. And we just sang those songs. And so Poor Unfortunate Souls is just I mean, it is a catchy. song. It's a catchy one. So I don't know if that makes her the best villain, but certainly like one of my favorites. Wow. Okay. She was so, one of the most terrifying. Oh, I, Disney oh yes. Villains. That that, yeah. that final scene when she gets huge. Oh, yeah. that's that gave me nightmares when I was a kid. Yeah. That's my favorite Disney movie. So Oh yeah. yeah. Little Mermaid? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Nikki? Um it so I was thinking I I was trying to recall her name. It's Mrs. Trunchbull. She's the president, or not the president. The, why am I getting all my words? So like the head, today? headmistress, the, the headmistress, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the headmistress. in trouble. The podcast host can't talk. I know today. exactly. <laughs> of, we'll get through uh, it. That movie Matilda. It came out in like 1996. I was like a, 11, so it's it's an old movie. But she was so bad. Like she picked up a little girl from her pigtails. Like she would her stick braids. kids. Yeah, or her yeah her braids. She put kids in these closets with these nails, and it would look like a little coffin, and like they couldn't move and. She was just yeah, evil. Yeah. Pretty awful. She she terrified me because I was that little girl that she picked up. Spitting image. <laughs> had the blonde not hair, actually, the glasses. <laughs> no, not actually. But was absolutely terrified of her. Yeah. So that that's who came to my mind. How about you, Eric? Okay. I have a name to submit to all of you, and I wonder if you will know the movie or any listeners out there will know the movie before I reveal it. So the name is Summer Wheatley. 
Anybody? No. No. Anybody? Clayton's got a look on his face like it's oh, vaguely I know, familiar. I know this name. Oh, my gosh. Cameron Wheatley. The oh, movie is Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, my oh. gosh. That's why I'm... Oh, I'm so ashamed I don't know that. So I don't know if she... That's the girl, right? Yeah. So I don't know if she's in the category of a villain, villain but she was definitely... She, yeah. Not friendly with the movie's main character. Oh my gosh! I've actually, I've actually been to Preston, Idaho, where they filmed it, and stood on Wait. the stage where he did the dance. Like really? I, yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. I was on a mission trip with my church, and I, like we were dry. Like it took one detour to go through Preston. And I was like, I'm going. We went up to the school, looked through the window, and a janitor came by. It's in the middle of the summer. He's like, "You want to go in?" So he showed me Napoleon's locker. He got let me go on the stage, and at the time, I had like giant curly hair. So I was a youth pastor and my youth group kids gave me like a vote for Pedro sure. And like all the stuff. And so I, I like actually got to do it. Did you do the dance? Uh, no. Cause yeah, okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> Kelsey had a an, perplexed an look on person. her face. Kelsey, what was that perplexed look about well, summer? Is, Wheatley? Is summer the girl that he, he like drew the liger for. No, 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 no. That's the other girl. The one with the side ponytail. Uh, what kid of the green? She's the only one Sum- that I can Summer's remember. Summer's the one that that like scoffs at him all the time. Hmm. Yeah, there's like all the popular kids okay. in school that make fun of him all yeah. the time. Summer's one of them. Oh okay. my gosh! Not not the girl that was his friend. I yeah. know nothing. That's I know Deb. nothing Deb. about that movie. I could not tolerate sitting through you a even a portion bass. of it. I couldn't do it. Oh, my lips are real bad. Oh, okay, now we're quoting lines. Let's move on. Clayton, um, you've got some classes to tell our listeners about. What, uh, yeah, you got? so uh, there are two classes coming up, uh, one on February 17th, one on March 2nd. These are classes uh, listeners might uh, be interested in, depending on kind of where you're at in terms of your journey with reading the Bible. On February 17th, we've got How to Read the Bible, okay? So this was formerly called Bible 102, so if you've seen that before, that's what we're talking about. How to Read the Bible is essentially walking through how do you do the comma method in depth. So we do this here on the podcast all the time, but if you'd say, you know what, I'd really like some hands-on, a little more detail, kind of what each step means and how to do it and do it through a few passages— This is the class for you. This is a great thing if you're kind of new to reading the Bible. March 2nd is what we call How to Study the Bible, and this was formerly called Bible 201. This is a class that Eric typically teaches, uh, and it is one where you get into a little bit more depth about the tools that you need to study the Bible, uh, how to use Bible dictionaries and commentaries and study Bibles and those sorts of things, and how to connect your prayer life to uh, your Bible reading and that sort of thing. So you got to be a little bit familiar with Bible reading for that one uh, to jump into that. Anything you want to add to that, Eric? No, you did really you did really well. Thanks. Good description, Thanks. Clayton. There you go. So you can register for both of those classes uh, on the website. Good job, Clayton. All right, you want to tell us what passage we're looking at? Today? All right, we are in Second Peter chapter three. So uh, we are. Uh, this is the just this week we're reading Second Peter. It's a short book, so just a, a few days of reading here. Uh, and let me give you a little context for this. Uh, there are two books of Peter, uh, as you may know, with the title Second Peter. It's kind of implied, and this is Peter writing towards the end of his life, or he he has the sense of, this is going to be one of the last messages I send out. He actually ultimately was killed by the Emperor Nero, but he has a sense uh, things are coming to a head. And so he's kind of getting out the last things there. And what he wants to do before he goes is refute a whole bunch of people who are skeptical, who are critical, some false teachers that have come in. And he wants to say, make sure you're going to the right places for your truth and not listening to these things. So the whole letter is kind of about that. And one of the things that these skeptics and critics are saying is Jesus isn't going to come back. Okay. Basically they're looking at things and saying he left 
and it seems like it's been a long time, and things are just going on like they always have. So really, what does it matter? Like, is he really going to come back, and is anything going to resolve itself? And so Peter's trying to address that in this chapter. So we're going to read Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 1, all the way till verse 18. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on and it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letter contains some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. All right. The next step in comma is O for observations. So this is where we look at the passage and note things that we see, things that strike us uh, that we can make sense out of. What do you guys see? One of the observations that I see is is um, the way he's addressing them. It's four times I think he addresses them as dear friends, and so and this is also the second letter that he's written to them. Um, so it, it's like a personal connection. This is he's exhorting them on how they're supposed to live, and and I love this like uh, anticipation almost of like this is what you're supposed to look forward to. Let me remind you of what you're supposed to look forward to, and it's kind of weird because like. Well, you mean you're, we're looking forward to the destruction of the earth and everything melting away into fire? 
No, you're you're looking forward to the day when God's going to come and renew everything and uh, and and make everything right again and usher in the new heavens and new earth. But it, it's kind of weird when you start going. Wait, we're, we're looking forward to the destruction of the world. Not exactly. <laughs> yeah, the language of kind of looking back at the first half of the verses. Recall, uh, they deliberately forget, but do not forget. Yeah, and then it shifts to. Well, now you're looking ahead. So just that contrast of, okay, we're talking about what has happened, and yet we're also looking forward to what is to come. Yeah, and it's all the way back and all the way forward. So it's right. it's all the way to creation at the very beginning, and even a story like Noah that's very early in the Bible, all the way to, to the very end. So it's the whole scope of things that's covered here. Okay, my observation is coming from verse 17. Sometimes observations we say are just something striking. So, and this struck me. It says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. And so what struck me about that is, isn't the very definition of a secure position something you cannot fall from? Isn't that what makes it secure? So it just struck me. What do you make out of that? I mean, that's that is an interesting kind of you know paradox there in a little in a little way. I mean, is it I, I, maybe the simplest explanation is uh, you know you can you could be in a safe position like <laughs> it's like when my son's in the back seat and all of a sudden his sister's like Silas is taking his seatbelt off and you know he's you know whatever he's kind of getting out of something he was secure and yet he chose to step away from the the place that was secure. That's probably what it means. Yeah. Well, it, it follows it up with. 18 is, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I I think there's other parts of the Bible where we hear about people coming, false teaching, or talking, filling our minds with, you know, worldly ideologies, and all of a sudden it just sidetracks you from the grace and the truth of the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So. One thing that I notice here is in the, the kind of when we talk about truths about God in, let's see here, verse uh, nine, it actually has a contrast of what people are saying about God. You know, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. So there are some people who are saying, man, he's, he's slow. He's not doing this. And yet Peter flips it around. He says, no, actually, he's patient. And so the thing that you're saying, this is a fault of God's. He's not He's not doing what he said he would do fast enough is actually Peter saying, yeah, but if he did that. Then it would all come to an end and it would all get wrapped up and there you wouldn't have time left for people to repent. And so there's actually something beautiful about God saying, yeah, I, I have promised to bring, you know, everything to a head and wrap it all up and make everything right. But along the way, I'm giving you space so that you're ready for that day. And there's a patience and a kindness uh, in that. Another observation for me is the the interesting connection between bad teaching and bad living. So let me let me find this verse. Okay, verse three, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Okay, so you, you have people that are making fun of those who choose to believe the scriptures, those who choose to believe the apostles teaching that Jesus is going to be coming back. And what goes with that hand in hand is they're following their own evil desires. Okay. So there's a link between choosing to not believe or make fun of the scriptures or God's truth and wanting to do your own thing. And then in verse, yeah, verse 16, towards the end here, it says, he writes, 
talking about Paul's writings, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. And then he says, don't be carried away by the error of the lawless. So he's saying like, yeah, some of what Paul writes is hard to understand, but it's not just that it's hard to understand. People are very intentionally twisting it so that they can live their, their lawless lives. So the connection between bad teaching and bad living. I do like the fact that he notes that some things in Paul's letters are hard to understand. Like when, when Peter yeah. is like, yeah, no, I was right there with Jesus all the time. And when Paul talks, I'm like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about sometimes. <laughs> like there's something reassuring about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I got to think. I got to think hard when he's talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you along the lines of that, if you look at the entire passage, like there is it's like a field guide for how you can live a right life, like stimulate wholesome thinking, recall the words and commands of, of Jesus. Don't forget, live a holy and golly life. Look forward to make every effort, bear in mind, like it's another words, like remember, be on your guard, grow in grace and knowledge. Like there's a lot of things in here that like you can apply if you pick up on them. Yeah. I really like verse 11 where it says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? I just like that it turns it from uh, looking outward, seeing the destruction, seeing what can maybe even pose some fear or uncertainty and instead kind of twists it and says, look inward. How should this change the way that you live, the way that you act, all of that sort of stuff? Um, so I like that it brings it to the personal level. Yeah, I, I was thinking as you're saying that, like it's, it changes it from something that's happening to us, like this passive, like, oh, woe is me. I can't do anything about the world around me, too. Okay, well, what what am I supposed to do about it? Yeah. I'm, I'm struck by the description of the end of the world here. So I, I think about this in comparison with different passages of Scripture, because there are some passages of Scripture that really emphasize the kind of like new creation that's coming. And there are some, uh, and, and, and really even the sort of continuity, you know, look at, look at how God's going to bring all of these things that are, are wonderful and good. You know, you, you see a, a city that's there and you see the, you know, the, the riches of the kingdoms of the world coming into the city and you see, you know, creation restored and all this stuff. And you kind of emphasize that. This one really emphasizes the destruction part, like the word destruction or some version of that is said, you know, multiple times in this passage. And so I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking, and it does mention, you know, we're actually looking forward to a new new heaven and a new earth. So it's not saying, oh, the earth is going to go away and we're just going to leave this whole thing behind. Like we're getting a new one. But the emphasis is on these things are not – the things that you're dealing with now are going to be done away with. And there's like a, a focus on that side of thing. And I was thinking, what is it that Peter – why would Peter choose to emphasize that half of the thing? And I think there are some times when what we need like is to be told the things you do in this life matter on into eternity – some things are going to last. Some good things are going to go into creation, uh, new, the new creation. And so those things are emphasized in other passages. But sometimes we need to be shaken out of the idea that all the things here are like the most important things or all the things right now are really the priorities that, the, the, you know, of the universe. And so if if we need to be shocked out of that, you say, no, it's all going to burn. <laughs> like it's all it's all going to go away because otherwise we might think, no, but this really is important. Or this really is the way things are, or this really is the way I need to act. And if you don't see like, no, 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 this is going to go, you might get comfortable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not a physical thing that's burned, uh, then you also have in verse 10, 
where it says the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Yeah. So all all human activity will be judged by the perfect king when he comes back. Uh, is it valuable? Is it not valuable? Is it godly? Is it not godly? Is it what God put us here for? Is it not? Uh, and so even our activity is laid bare at the second coming of Jesus. Everything gets judged on the day of the Lord. Yeah, the, the fire is even, you kind of almost can picture it as like a, a purifying fire, like when you put metal through something, you know, that a lot of things get burned out, but the, the good things last. I one, one analogy that I find helpful with this is because um, some people say, okay, well, the earth is going to be destroyed. We're going to go someplace else. It's the the death and resurrection thing. So we look at Jesus's body, right? Like he died, like really died. And our bodies die and they decay into dust, right? And yet Jesus came back in a, to- in a as a human being with a physical form. Um, but there is like, that's going to happen to the universe. The universe is going to die. Like it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, you know, go through destruction, but it's also going to be remade into a new world that's whole and the way it's meant to be and truly physical and full and all that. But it goes through that process of death and resurrection. And it talks about some of that in, what is it, verse six and seven. Um, I mean, it's going back to creation in the time when, um, you know, the, the world did go through some of that purifying, some of that destruction again. So I like the whole imagery throughout this passage, it remains very consistent. Another observation for me is verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Uh, And then the, the question that Kelsey referenced that comes after that is, so what kind of people ought you be? Uh, in light of all of this. And so you put the whole, you, you kind of follow the logic flow of this and people are going, well, he hasn't come back yet. So really, you really still believe this Jesus stuff. You really believe he's coming back. Tell you what, you can keep doing your Jesus thing and thinking that Jesus is coming back a second time. Me, I'm just going to do my own thing. And if it happens to occur in my lifetime, I'll adjust at that moment. Right? So if I see the second, co- okay, But here's the warning. The day of the Lord will be like a thief. When it happens, there is no adjustment. Everything that is, is laid bare and there is no adjusting. There is no going, oh, my bad. Now I'll think about this Jesus stuff. And so it's, it's going to happen. It's going to come. He's going to come like a thief. So what kind of person ought you be in light of that reality, knowing that there is no second chances once it happens? And to not fall from your secure position. To yeah. bring it back to what you had, yeah. had said. Yeah. And so this is like the warning of, hey, I know there are people out there just saying, he's not coming back. Don't don't buy all this second coming stuff. Don't be careful. Don't listen to those people. Don't get in their boat because they're on the wrong side of this equation. All right. Let's talk about one of the M's in comma. We'll start with message today. If you were going to sum up something from this passage in a sentence or two, a message from this, what would it be? Uh, My message is God's word is your field guide through life. My message is you have to remember what has always been true in order to recognize and guard yourself against what is false. I think I'll go with it is always wise to allow the future to inform your present. My message is if you're headed for a new earth, don't live like you belong to this one. So for meditation, which is the second M in comma, we will look at uh, verse 13 and 14 here. I'm going to give you about 45 seconds to prayerfully ponder this, to talk with God about this passage. And it says this, 
We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What do you do in response to this? So my message is uh, God's word is your field guide through life. Um, I I think sometimes um, we can get stuck in this habit, and it's usually when I am uh, I'm, I'm being too quick in the morning when I'm reading the word, um, and I don't intentionally sometimes take the time to say, okay, how how can I apply it today? Right. So for me, uh, it was just a reminder to mine for God's instruction every time I read it um, and intentionally say, God, help me apply what I'm reading today. Um, And then there's some parts in the passages that I read where I go, well, how, how would I apply that? And sometimes I need the help of someone to to talk it out, to process kind of like what we're doing right here. You know what I mean? And um, I, I thought about this book that I, I haven't read it, but I've heard a lot about it. People are just talking about it. It's a business book called Who Not How. Um, and the idea is like, instead of asking how, how do I do this, ask uh, who can do it for me? Well, I was like, eh, I don't know about, I don't know how that applies here, but I can ask that question about who can do this with me? Who can come alongside of me and help me figure out how to apply this particular passage to my life if I'm struggling with it? So for me, it's it's mine for God's instruction every time you read it. And if I'm finding something that's hard for me to apply, I need to go find someone who can come alongside of me and help me process it and try to find a way uh, to, to get some get some ground in it in my life. I love that. Um my mind was uh, kind of went to the very end where it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, actually, an interesting application would be to look through the attributes of God list and actually select one that I'm not as familiar with. I usually skip over or just don't even consider and spend time learning about it. So I can actually grow in a greater knowledge of who Jesus is. And if you're looking for that attribute of God list, it's at ccclife.org slash prayer. There's a link to the list there. Okay, so my message is it's always wise to allow the future to inform your presence. So the analogy in my head is like saving for retirement. You know, there's a future, there's going to be a time when I'm older, uh, when I'm not working, I probably have more health expenses, and that future reality should inform how I handle my money today. I should be saving money for the future. And I'm not talking about retirement the way, like, Americans think about it, like, one day I just want to stop working and waste the rest of my life on a beach somewhere. I'm not talking about that, okay? I am talking about the reality that there will be the time where you can't work anymore or you'll have health issues, okay? So... Future reality informs my behavior today. 
So allow the future reality of the new heavens and the new earth and the fact that Jesus is coming back to inform my present. So one of the questions I could ask myself is, on the day Jesus Christ returns, will this matter? And allow that question to inform my priority list for the day. That's great. My message was, if you're headed for a new world, don't live like you belong to this one. And my application is to develop kind of a healthy case of senioritis. So uh, I don't know if you remember being a senior in high school. (laughs) And as soon as you knew where you were headed, yeah, or college, as soon as you knew where you're headed, like you you were accepted to a school or you had a job waiting or you're going to the military or whatever it was, you knew what your plan was. Um, There's this point where you stop caring about certain things in high school. Now, that's not necessarily a healthy thing when you're in school and teachers get annoyed or whatever, but there is also something really realistic about it where you say, I already know that the things that matter are the things that are uh, impact what's coming next, that I'm already, I'm already through this part. And so I'm looking ahead to that and saying, those are where my real priorities are. And some of the things I thought really, really mattered here, you know what? They're, they're not going to be here forever and I don't have to get worked up about them. So in terms of our experience in the world, some of that means having a healthy distance from both hype and panic, right? Like there are some things that you're going to hear in the world like this, this is good. This is the best thing that's so important. This, you got to have this. This needs to happen. And you say, really? Is that the case? Do I really have to have that? Do I really need that? Or panic like this is it. This is the, this is the worst thing. You got to worry about this. And you say, really? It, I already kind of know I'm going to a new heavens, and new earth. Maybe, maybe this isn't the biggest worry in my life. I, I'm thinking about like what Eric said. I'm going to stand before Jesus. That's a big deal. This one, not so much. And there's something that is like a healthy detachment from the things that people say, this is so important here, uh, that you can say, no, I know it's important because that's where I'm headed. Good stuff. Well, Kelsey, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Good having you. Friends, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you are not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading today. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.